Hey church, welcome to Church of the Wild. So good to have you all here. I timed the video better this week so I didn't stand up there and stare awkwardly at you for two and a half minutes. Uh, man, I'm getting this figured out. By the time we start a new series, I will figure out how long this, this video is. Uh, so good to see you all. So grateful that you're all here. A couple of cool announcements, things I'm really excited about. Uh, we have a devotional. This is free. Uh, this is available out in the Connect Center. What we do with these is we take previous sermon series and we turn them into free resources for our church family. And so if you want to grab one, if you want to give someone, this one was a series we did two Christmases ago called A King Like This. And it just looks at four different ways that Jesus is our king. They are free. You can pass them out at Christmas. You can do whatever you like to do with them. They are uh, there for you. Uh, super excited to see Adam and Colleen today. So glad uh, they have a new one with them. So let's give them a round of applause. I love it. I, uh, I was so happy to see them. I, I'm a hugger, so um, I gave a big old hug. Uh, also, December 13th is our women's ministry um, cookie exchange. All right. Now, I don't always announce everything, but when, when my wife tells me I better, uh, for the sake of our marriage, I announce it. And since she's in charge of women's ministry, I'm announcing it. Uh, December 13th, there is a women's Christmas cookie exchange. I am told it's going to be super fun. I'm also told that we have uh, Catherine Todd speaking at it, which I'm super excited about. She's an amazing person. I've been able to uh, get to know her even better over the last couple of months. And um, she will be an incredible asset to anyone who is there, but it's also a really good time. So please uh, talk to my wife or sign up on Church Center Planning Center, whichever of the 19 things we call it to call it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 35, Isaiah 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then... The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool. The thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. If you like to underline things uh, in your Bible, you will notice that the way is capitalized and holiness is capitalized. This is telling us that this is saying that this is Jesus that they are talking about. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. How many times in my life I have been an absolute fool and yet God is like, hey, I can lead you back to where you should be. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. 
powerful passage, wonderful passage, just one of the most beautiful poetic uh, passages in Isaiah. And what I love about it is you see so much peace. You, you get this sense of peace in the author who's writing it when he talks about the wilderness becoming dry land, deserts blossoming, weak knees being strengthened, anxious hearts being strong, um, waters breaking forth in a wilderness, streams in the desert, the way of holiness that you don't get lost on. There's no ravenous beast there. There's singing. There's not sorrow. There's no sighing. This entire passage is this passage about peace which I think is why it's so important that we study it during the Christmas season because Christmas season is really so much about peace. One of the things I love about Christmas season is the songs are peaceful songs. The movies, peaceful movies. Even when culture is not attempting to portray the gospel, they unintentionally portray the gospel during the holiday season by portraying peace. Uh, we watched the great theological work Elf this week. And there's, this, uh, there's this, this part in there where the man, the grumpy guy, uh, my daughter told me that was me, so um, yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, the grumpy guy starts singing, the, 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 uh, the, the reindeer start flying, and all of a sudden they play this peaceful music, and I just started crying in the middle of the movie. I've seen it 20 times, and I'm crying. Why? It's like such a sense of peace, even in a funny movie. There's this sense in the holiday, in the Christmas season about peace, and this is because Christmas is about peace. Christmas brings us and reminds us that there is peace, but I have a problem with peace. I have a problem with it. I called last week's sermon, it's worth the wait, and this week I'm calling it problem with peace because we have a problem with peace, all of us. All of us at times in our life, we think of peace in the American way and not the biblical way. See, what we think of peace is peace to us in our dictionary, in our culture, in our world, is that peace is the absence of conflict. So recently, um, a terrorist organization invaded Israel, and they began to kill, and they began to murder, and they began to do all of these terrible things, right? And then Israel fought back, and when they had a ceasefire, what did they say? There's, a, there's some peace, because in our world, that's how we view peace. We view peace as the absence of conflict. This is why we are, as a, as a nation, we, we are um, beginning to legalize more and more things because we, we are desperately trying to find peace, but we don't understand peace because we think peace is simply no conflict. We have um, an idea of peace like this. Um, so one of my friends, he and I get coffee every month. He, is, um, he used to play for Ohio State. And he, he brought um, a man who used to play running back for Ohio State and he used to play running back in the NFL. We sat down and we ate. And the man and I were kind of going back and forth at each other about Michigan, Ohio State. Like, oh, what do you think? What do you think? We were kind of like betting on the game. And then at the end he said, but it's all good. You're like the only Michigan person I like. And we think of that as peace because we don't have conflict. Like that's how we view it. But peace is so much bigger than simply not having conflict. And I think because in America we think of peace as no conflict, it begins to present a problem for us because what we do is we, we seek desperately for peace, but we seek it by saying, I want to avoid all conflict at all times. And this is why, um, why we, we in, our, in our relationships, will say we have a problem. Well, now we don't have a relationship because we want peace. But that's not the biblical idea of peace. The biblical idea of peace is a much bigger idea. 
And in fact, um, it's the word shalom. It's the word shalom. And many of us, we, we would say to our friends who are celebrating Hanukkah this time of year, hey, shalom, because that's that word peace, right? And we would even understand and hear that word. But what shalom means is so much bigger than no conflict. Shalom means the idea of a wall that is completely whole and it is entirely structurally sound and together. And what they're, what they're implying is that this wall is complete and structurally sound when there is no conflict, but also it is complete and structurally sound when there is conflict. So what they're saying is um, hard for us to understand because if, if Cleveland or Cincinnati decided to invade Columbus today, we would not all flee into Columbus and get behind a wall. We wouldn't do that because we don't fight that way in America. But if uh, in the ancient world, the, the, the children of Israel would say, if we're under attack, what do we do? We retreat behind our wall because we know our wall is whole and complete. And so no matter what they throw at us, we know that's structurally sound. So even in conflict, we have peace. That's the idea of peace. In fact, you could argue that the biblical idea of peace is that you can't have peace unless you have a problem. Unless there's a problem in your life, the biblical concept of peace is that, that you don't actually have peace. You really only have peace when there is conflict, when there is hard times, when there is a problem. So that when there is a problem and Satan is, is throwing fiery darts at you, he's hurling everything he has at you, you know that you have the Prince of Peace in your heart so you are whole and structurally sound even in the difficult times. Peace is not the removal of conflict. It's the presence of the peace in the conflict. It's the presence of, well, I know that, I know that um, Satan is attacking. I know he's doing these things, but I know that Jesus has saved me. So he can do whatever he wants, but he can't get to my soul. That's peace. That's peace. And we know this because Jesus, I was, I was trying to figure out all week, I was like, how do I explain this in an American way? Because we don't have walls. But, but um, the best way I could explain this would be like this. So two or three Christmases ago, Thanksgivings ago, we went to my parents' house. And we were ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. And it snowed eight inches. And the power lines up there snapped. So we lost electricity and we lost running water. But we were able to celebrate Thanksgiving dinner because we knew the snow wasn't getting inside because the walls of our house were complete. So we could gather together and we could have peace even in a snowstorm. Because that snow wasn't getting into our dwelling. It was simply going on around our dwelling. But inside, we were eating Thanksgiving meals because we had peace. So Jesus didn't wait to be born in a time of peace. He was born in a time of adversity and brought peace with him when he arrived. See, if it was me and I was like, man, I want to be, uh, I'm going to be the king. What I'm going to do is wait until it's the most convenient, peaceful time for me. And then I'm going to show up. Jesus said, I'm going to show up right in the middle of a time when there is absolutely no peace because I'm going to bring it with me. I'm going to bring peace along to a time of conflict. 
but we realize and recognize that peace is not just a removal of conflict because think about the people who were there with him. The shepherds were still shepherds even after Jesus was born. They didn't all of a sudden become the hierarchy of their society. Shepherds were the outcast of their society. And yet Jesus comes along, the prince of peace. He gives them peace and they're still shepherds. Joseph was supposed to be the king of Israel. Jesus is born, and if I were writing the story, I'd say, and now Joseph's the king, and Jesus is his son. But Joseph goes right back to being a carpenter. So God didn't remove the absence of conflict. He just ushered in peace. Mary had people for at least 30 years of her life call her names that were implying that she was immoral. Jesus didn't take those people out of the picture when he was born. He just brought with her the peace that passed understanding to her. So it's not the removal of conflict. It's the presence of peace in the conflict. Um, Mary, uh, look at Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But, this is so important, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is very important because peace comes through pondering. Peace comes through pondering. See, the word pondering is an interesting word. The idea of, of pondering is you're giving weight to something. It's like pounds. It's like that. It's like a weighty thing. So Mary's giving weight to the wonderful moments, the good things. She's giving the proper weight to the good things that happened and is completely understanding that for the rest of her life, she's going to be called someone who's immoral. She's never going to be able to change people's opinion on this. We know this because when Jesus is 30, he's in his ministry and people are like, aren't you the son of Mary and Joseph? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure they were married. Sure, sure it was the Holy Spirit. And we don't find Mary even answering them. So Mary gave weight. She gave proper weight to the right things. She pondered them. Mary didn't post. She didn't look at, uh, she didn't place a tracker on Joseph to make sure that he was going where he said he was going to go. She didn't like get on a Snapchat and like follow him around. Mary didn't do that. She didn't even follow the shepherds on Instagram and she never fought back. Not once in her ministry. Why? Because of the peace that came through pondering about Jesus. She didn't even try to fix what people thought. She just pondered. Pondered is to give weight by contemplating, meditating, thinking about, reflecting on, or considering. And here's what I want to tell you is this. We go into this season of peace. Give weight to the times that Jesus has already come through for you. Give that its proper weight. So often when we're like, is Jesus going to come through? Is he going to come through? We forget about all the times that he has come through in the past. So give weight to the times that he has come through. Because this will help you find peace in the moments where you're like, I don't know if he can come through. But you can go back to the times that he has. Give weight to the blessings that he's blessed you with. 
I, I told you this uh, two weeks ago. There's been a recent study that said the average American thinks 4,000 to 4,500 thoughts per day, and four out of five of them are negative. So that means if we don't want to be average Americans and we don't want to be negative people, we have to on purpose give weight to the blessings and the good. We have to on purpose say to ourselves, well, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. The Detroit Lions are 9-3 and three for the first time in 63 years. This is good, this is good, this is good. But we can have an invitation right now. This is good. They're going to beat the Cowboys this year. This is good. We can give weight to the good, give weight to the blessings. Give weight. So often what we do is we think about who we don't have. Give weight to who you do have. I would hate for us to miss out valuable moments with our parents because all we think about is, well, I'm not married yet, and that's all I can obsess about is when am I going to get married, when am I going to get married, when am I going to get married, and then look back and be like, man, I missed years with the family I did have. I did have. Uh, we we kind of went through this a little bit. We had, we had three miscarriages, then we had Isla, and then we had, we had three more just like in the last year and a half. And um, in those moments when you're going through that loss, it's really easy to forget, oh, but God gave me like the best child ever and I have her. Give weight to the good. Give weight to the people you have. Give weight to the moments that are good. Give weight to the moments that you laugh. Give weight to the moments that you cry together. Give weight to the messages that are good. Give weight to the moments that are positive. Give proper weight to the good and you begin to find peace. Ponder on the good. Give the good its proper weight. I am by no means telling you to see the world through rose-colored glasses, but what I am telling you is to give proper weight to the moments that are beautiful. I had to like repent to God for the attitude I've had about Ohio winters, because Christmas here is brown and no one sings, I'm dreaming of a brown Christmas. Like we, we listen to Bing Crosby, I'm like, yeah, and it's brown out. Like I don't, I don't ever like celebrate that. Whenever I think of Christmas, I'm like, give me a foot of snow, give me all these things, I want the white Christmas. I had to repent to God because all I could think about is the weather we don't have and not ever actually giving weight to the weather that we do have. So two weeks ago, I went for a walk and I, I repented to God for my attitude about Christmas here. Because all I could think about was like, well, if we just drove eight hours north, boy, there'd be a foot of snow. But I have family here and friends here and good weather here and safe roads here. Give weight to the good and you find peace. When everything around you is bad, focus on the good. You will realize that not everything around you is actually bad. When, um, when uh, I can't remember who it was, said, all, my, all of my friends have forsaken me. Then, then uh, it was the prophet. And then the, other, the angel comes to him and says, there's like 7,000 other prophets. They haven't bent the knee, bro. You're just not thinking about the ones who are good. Give weight, ponder, and you will find peace. But secondly, peace comes when we don't try to make the path. Peace comes when we don't try to make the path. Mary could have said, okay, the shepherds are gone. Now I need each one of you shepherds to get on TikTok and make a video. 
celebrating. Okay, Magi, when you show up two years from now, uh, I'm going to need you all to make sure that you got your social media ready because my boy's going to be king. And by the way, I'm going to let everyone know right now, this was from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go ahead and cut that one right off. Mary could have tried to make the path, but she would have sacrificed peace. Because when we try to force the path, that's what happens to us, and we get lost. Isaiah said, uh, Isaiah 35, he said, it's called the way of, high, of holiness, and even when we're fools, we can't go astray. You know what that gives me? Peace. Why? Because I make really bad decisions all the time. My wife will tell me, don't do this, and I'll be like, yeah, it's all right, I'll do this. And then I'm like, why did I do that? Right? We only lose peace when we try to make the way. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and solve this. I'm going to go ahead and handle this. I'll, I'll go. That's when we lose peace because now we've taken it from God's path and we've turned it into our path. And now we are in charge. And when we are in charge, we lose sight of peace. So when we start saying to ourselves, this is how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to go ahead and do this. You know what I'm going to do? We begin to lose peace. When we say to God, it's your way, it's your path, you've already made it. Just help me to walk where you are walking. All of a sudden, we find peace. Number three, peace comes when we stop worrying about others' paths. See, Mary could have said, well, what about Elizabeth? I mean, she gets to have a child and no one's going to say bad things about her. In fact, everyone's going to celebrate her. Why do I have to be the one who has the child that everyone's like, mm-hmm, we know what you did. She could have done that, but she would have lost sight of peace. In fact, Jesus, um, Jesus rises from the grave. He's, he's talking to Peter, and he's like, hey, here's what's going to happen in your life. I'm going to make this path very clear for you. Th your life's going to go like this and like this and like this and like this. And Peter says to him, what about John? What's his path? And Jesus says to him, what is for him is for him, and what is for you is for you. You will lose sight of path, peace when you get on and look at everybody else's path and start thinking, well, they're a pastor and they have a big house. I wonder why I don't have a big house. Recently, recently there was a video, it went very viral, of a pastor talking about how he has the largest home of any pastor and he knows this because he looked up all the other pastors and wanted to make sure his home was bigger than them. And he's just going on and on about it. He's like, we tried poor. That didn't work for us. We're rich. <laughs> he's like going, and the whole church is like, woo, like yelling. And, and often in our lives, it's so easy for us to be like, well, why is their path this way? Why is his house this way? Why is his family this way? Why, why is this? But we will lose peace when we become so obsessed with everybody else's path. You will, if you're single, you will lose peace really quickly if you start to see all your friends get engaged and then you're like, you know what? That's not fair. I need to be engaged. That is a recipe for a long life with no peace. When, when you are married and you start to see everybody else's house and you're like, why is God blessing them? First of all, not every nice thing is a blessing, okay? Not every, not every time is it a blessing. You can lose sight. When, when you look... Um, when you look at people who are in their 60s and you're in your 20s and you're like, why don't I have what they have? You don't know the path that took them to get there. When, when, you're, um, when you're married 
and, and your spouse isn't quite as good as, as your dad was to you, it's really easy to be like, well, why don't I have what they have? But you don't know the path that it took him to get there. Right? We cannot find peace by obsessing over everybody else's path. Uh, next, peace comes when we stop trying to prove that we are on the right path. Peace comes when we stop trying to prove that we are on the right path. Um, uh, great peace, the Bible says, have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you want peace, don't worry about what everyone's saying. If you want peace, just follow the, God, the path that God has laid out for you. Mary had peace when Jesus was born, and Mary had peace when Jesus was criticized. Think about it. She held the Prince of Peace. She held shalom, literally. She held peace in her hands. And she had that when he was born, and she had that peace when he was criticized. She had that peace when he died. She had that peace when he was resurrected. Mary holds on to peace, and when she stops, when she's not trying to prove that she's on the right path to Joseph, see, Joseph, I told you, right? See, see, I told like when she's arguing with the shepherds, she's not doing any of this, and she has this peace that passes all understanding. When we stop trying, um, like, like for me as a pastor, when I stop trying to prove that I'm the smartest person in the room, I find peace. But when I think I have to know more about the Bible than everybody else and prove that I do, I lose peace really quickly. When we, um, we start thinking, well, I got to prove this to people, you lose peace. When instead you just say, Jesus, I want to walk wherever you're walking and I just want to follow you. You made the way. It's the way of holiness, and I just want to follow you. We find this peace even in problems, even in overwhelming bills, even in health situations. We find peace that somehow we look and say, I don't know how I'm making it through this, but somehow I am. God is still with you. God is with you in the good moments and he's with you in the bad. God is with you on the wedding day. God is with you on your first fight. God is with you when you pay the bills. God is with you when you can't pay the bills. God is for you. He has a hold of you. And adversity simply proves that you are on the path because you cannot have problems and not have peace. And you cannot have peace and not have problems. Peace is only available when there is a problem. So I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet today. I know this is a little bit different. Um, I'm not going to try to sing this song, but I've thought of the most peaceful Christmas song that there is. And I think that it's Silent Night. Like I feel like Silent Night is like the perfect picture of this. I mean, you think about Jesus is born into captivity by parents who everyone thinks are immoral. He's surrounded by people who are rejects, yet he's the one who knows that he made the garden in Genesis and he's going to return to the end and make the world a garden again. And he knows this. Think about these shepherds who for a moment get to truly observe real peace. Mary gets to hold peace all in one silent, holy night. Uh, worship team, you guys can come on up here.
We're going to pray in just a minute. Do you lost sight of peace? It's easy to do. There are many times in my life when I lose sight of peace, and often it comes because I don't give weight to the good. Often in my life, I, I become thinking, oh, this, 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 and I lose sight of, oh, but what about when Jesus came through time and time and time again? The word recall, David said, I will recall. And that word recall is like to forcibly call back to mind. It's not to remember. It's to like on purpose say, no, no, no. I will think about the times that Jesus came through for me. I don't know what your Christmas is going to be like this season. You might have problems. You might have adversity. You might have conflict. You might have difficulties. But you can still have peace. You can still have peace even in the middle of conflict, even in the middle of problems, even in the middle of hard times. Peace is there because Jesus is there. And he is that great wall that is structurally sound so that no matter what is thrown at you, you know the enemy's not getting through him. And that is true peace. That is a silent, holy night. I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor. Um, I'm going to ask you to sing Silent Night. I'm not going to lead it, though, because I have no peace about singing in front of all of you with this mic. I have none. Um, so can we put Silent Night up there? I'm just going to ask you all to sing it along with me. Maybe we can get someone who can actually sing. Lori, you want to you wanna lead Silent Night? Absolutely. Uh, okay. We're going to sing Silent Night together. When they're singing it, I'm going to come down front. If you want to pray with someone... I'm happy to pray with you. But what I'd love for our church is together just to sing this song about sleeping in heavenly peace. And then, uh, then they'll continue with the rest of the service. Let me, let me pray real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. God, thank you for your peace. It is a peace that passes understanding. We don't understand it. It doesn't make sense that you bring peace in the hard times rather than just taking the hard times away. But it does when we see your son born into adversity and yet providing peace to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and everyone he encounters. God, give us your peace. Give us that peace that says, I might be knocked down, but I'm still whole. And there's no way that the enemy's getting through my wall my Savior, my King, my Prince of Peace. And even when I'm foolish, I can't even get off the way that He's made because He is the way of holiness and He will guide and He will correct and He will pull me back and I find great peace in that. God, bless us with peace today. Help us as we sing and as we close the rest of the service.
Well, hey, church, thanks so much for choosing to gather with us today. We believe here at Church in the Wild that we walk best when we walk together. So thank you for choosing to walk with us. We recognize that that's an intentional choice that you made, and we are so grateful that you chose to make it. Recently, we took an offering that was to be a blessing to families in our churches, and we raised over $800 in that offering. And so we're so excited to be able to bless families in our community this holiday season, and thankful to all those of you who gave so generously so that we could all be a blessing to each other. So thank you for choosing to do that. As we roll into the holiday season, I wanna just encourage you to continue to give joyfully and generously to Church in the Wild. Recently, we've had a lot of really exciting new things come up, new devotional. We've had some souls, uh, salvation decisions, and we've been able to see some youth activities with seven teenagers at them. And this is all through your generosity. So thank you for choosing to be generous to Church in the Wild. If you'd like to join those who are already being generous to Church in the Wild by giving, you can do so in a couple ways. Number one, you can scan the QR code that's on the worship guide in your chair in the auditorium. Number two, you can go to citw.faith and click the Give button. And number three, you could, you could text the word Give to the number that's on the screen. Number four, you can place cash or check in the offering box that's in the Connect Center. Speaking of the Connect Center, we believe that everyone, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey, has a next step and that yours begins in the Connect Center. So I hope that you'll join us in the Connect Center as soon as this service is done. Always remember, you matter.